www.blogspot.com. Don't put a www in front of it. Ah, just the HTTP. Right. Maybe if you put the three Ws in front of it, it'll guide you there, but you don't have to. I got it. So, yeah, the popular blog spot is Google's Google, uh, Google's blog service. We decided to go ahead and get on board with blogging and uh, keep everybody in the loop on our guests, who we got, and tell you a little bit more information about them, et cetera. Well, and so, you know what, Doug? People can leave comments there. They don't have to be a member of Blogger. So they can leave comments on that page. There you go. You can tell us if you like what we wrote. Maybe we'll write some personal stuff. <laughs> About Doug. Always about Doug. <laughs> no, thanks. All right. So we got some stuff lined up for you. I know we're going to have to wait on Todd for a little while, but I do have a lot of stuff to talk about, believe it or not. Uh, people are willing to help me out and give me some information. So while I'm going to go over this, Chris Mel, if you can pull up the tour page from Roger's site, that would be cool. From Roger's and, site? Uh, or MySpace, doesn't matter. I got know. the MySpace pulled up already. All right. Sorry, Rog. <laughs> All right. So here, here we go. Here's some scoop for you. Kathy Stoya, who is in charge of the merchandise on the tour, has got a new thing going on, and that is going to be a raffle. And they're going to do raffles every night on the road at the merch counter. It's reasonable. Two tickets for 10 bucks or five for 20 bucks. I made sure to find out that for you because I knew that would be your first question. And it's big-time stuff. She's got signed Todd albums and CDs. She's got a large arena poster from the Aspen show this year, signed. A very, very rare Todd doll where he is in a utopia-type outfit and has a beautiful clay foamy with it. So these are very rare, and uh, this is from her personal collection. She will also be wrapping off two of Rachel's bass guitars, some of Jesse's guitar books, Prairie's drumsticks, some Chasm stuff, which will be announced soon. Some Utopia albums that are signed by both Todd and Chasm. Wow. How about that? And get this. This is a, this is really uh, a rare, cool item. A 1974 Rolling Stone newspaper. When I say newspaper, if you're old enough to remember, they were newspapers before they became the Glossy Magazine. Oh, yeah, they were. <clears throat> yeah. This one is signed by Todd on the cover and inside at the article, which is called Todd Rundgren, the $50,000 producer, and I'll give you 10 bucks, Mel, if you can tell me who wrote that article. For Rolling Stone? Yes. Uh, Cameron Crowe. I don't know. There you go. 10 bucks, I owe you. Good job. Really? Yeah. Wow. I pulled that one out of nowhere. <laughs> What's up with that? You and Deacon Light. Something's come out of nowhere. <laughs> Killing me. Oh, right, well, that's, that's pretty cool. That's a very nice little little bonus. Yeah, here's the deal. You buy the raffle ticket before and during the show. After the show, you need to go back to the merch counter. She'll draw the names out of a hat or whatever, and then you will uh, find out what you what you got or if you want anything. She doesn't really want to ship it, so she's going to try to do it after each show. So Must be present to win. Um, she said she'd ship it if she had to. Somebody else knows if you can get tickets online. That's not a bad idea. I'll have to talk to Kathy about that. Or you can email her at toddgirl at AOL.com and ask her. It's a good idea, whatever it takes, you know. Uh, raffles are a good way to raise some money for the uh, Rungrens and the merch situation. So, yeah, cool stuff, too. 
Thank you to Kathy. Mm-hmm. Good Kathy had a signed Utopia album with Chasm and Todd on it. Mm, I'll go for that. You like that? Yeah. Very good. All right, so Chris, give us some tour information. Okay. Let's see. We should all have this memorized, by the way. But to those of you that have not memorized the schedule yet, I will repeat it one more time. October 1st, Todd starts in Seattle. He then goes to Glen Ellen, California, to that charity festival. And then he's going to be making his appearance in Chicago. With A lot of our friends are going to be thrilled about that. And uh, then he goes to, well, it, doesn't he go to, isn't there a Wisconsin thing before Madison? I can't remember, but it doesn't. Doesn't look like it's listed. I don't know. I could be wrong. But anyway, there's a Madison, Wisconsin that is official. Morristown, New Jersey. I know a bunch of people are going to hit that show. Pittsburgh, Terrytown, New York. So he's kind of zigzagging back and forth. Then he'll head south to Knoxville and Asheville. I think I saw someone on the TR connection asking if anyone was going to Asheville. So obviously we need to get more TRC people over there to North Carolina. And he's going to cross the pond and go to the U.K. and uh, do a couple of shows there. Then Copenhagen, Helsinki, Gothenburg, Malmo, Eindhoven, Bonn, Milan, Paris, Norwich. Then back to London. Then he crosses the pond and looks like he's got close to a month off. And uh, starts back up again in Virginia, in Alexandria, that's up near D.C. Then back up to New York in Bayshore and Norfolk, Connecticut. And then back to the Bearsville on uh, December 23rd. And New York City for two nights right after Christmas on the 26th and 27th. And then on the 30th, he'll be in Annapolis, Maryland. That takes us up till New Year's Eve, and I don't know what's going on then. Nothing new. Nothing happened last year. Hopefully they'll do something. Don't know. Anyway, Rockwell asking the chat room if the CDs will be available on the merch counter at the shows. The answer is yes. They will be. You will be able to buy Arena at the show. Also, speaking of Arena, it's going to be released September the 30th. You can get it on Amazon, iTunes. iTunes will have it available for download. Everything happens September the 30th. I can't tell you if it's going to be in your record store or not because I don't know. But I hope so. But you, you said you already know that it's going to be on iTunes. Is that the I only do. electronic place? It will be on iTunes. No, I don't think it's going to be the only one, but that is, the, you know, of course, the one most people are familiar with. Okay. And that is one I was told it will be on. All right, so here's the deal. I think most of us will probably buy the CD so we can have the inserts and read all the stuff. You can see a good bit of it on the MySpace page in the blogs. Lynn posted a picture of the UK promo, which is pretty much the, the CD, I think. And some of it's hard to read. It's not a very good scan, but you get the gist. And the back cover, which Peter Noble talked about here, said that we would like, is a could be a finger, but it looks like a thumb. Needed to trim the nails, by the way. Uh, that is really missing a lot of skin, and I'm sure that is because of the guitar. So I believe that it's Todd's thumb after playing the guitar on tour, and it doesn't look pretty. I don't but know I if that like would it. be his thumb. I would think it's one of the other fingers, but that's a question to ask tonight. Could be his party singer. Yeah. I don't know. 
All right, Stephen Houston is here. Has an internet connection. What a miracle! Oh, good. All the TR folks that we know made it all right in Texas. Hurricane Ike, no electricity, some things like that. But everybody's got homes, etc. That we know. So that's good. Poe boy, he's here. He's a Texan. Francis, mm -hmm. Louisiana, he made it. So there you go. All right. Well, Francis had to hang out in Vegas for several days. <laughs> yeah, he couldn't get back because of the storm. That's he not said good. it wasn't very fun without Todd heads around. That's right. Yeah. And it's really not fun if you don't gamble. That probably makes a big difference. If you don't hear a lot of mail when Todd calls in, don't think it's because I'm rude. That's just the plan. She will chime in when she can, hopefully. But I've got a stockpile of questions, uh, some of them from you guys. Got a hopefully. question actually from Kiko, also hey, known as TRI Fan OK. Kiko from Japan. I think it's Keiko. I think you're right, it is. Keiko, I'm sorry, Keiko. <laughs> Keiko was at Todd Stock. Yeah, she's a sweetheart. Yes. You could play our commercial. Yeah, we could do that. Uh, for that, I'm going to play a little Robert Johnson for you. Just a little clip. Here we go. If your man get burst and know Want you to have your fun If your man get burst and know Want you to have your fun There you go. Why are we playing that? Why does it matter? Because Todd is supposed to do covers. I'm curious. We're going to ask him tonight if that means he's going to just go right from the get-go and be exactly like Robert Johnson, which I seriously doubt, or is he going to tweak some of the stuff like most bands that have covered him have done? What's your guess, Cruzamel? Well, you know, my, my initial reaction is he's probably going to modernize it up, but then I'm thinking he might, you know, put that, that same kind of Robert Johnson spin on his voice and sing it kind of gruff like that. So I don't know. He's the creative one in the bunch here, not me. <laughs> so we'll just have to see what happens with that. Well, I'll tell you, the whole idea is starting to grow on me. Uh, I wasn't keen on it at first when I first heard about it, and I didn't believe it at all. And now I'm like, well, of course, it's a perfect fit. So. Oh, it's going to happen. Right. All right, everybody. So you're listening to RungerRadio.com. Todd Runger is expected to be on any minute now, and we are going to talk to him about Arena, and hopefully we will be able to take calls so that you can call in and say hello. So right now we'll take a commercial break. Hey, Todd fans. You already know that Hunt and Tony Sales were on Todd's first LP run and toured with him during the Utopia of Mark One Days, but did you know the Sales brothers recently released their first album together entitled Hired Guns? The new Blue CD is available at PerseveranceRecords.com. And if you have trouble spelling it, just check the link on RunsonRadio.com. Thanks for listening.
c'est Frog et vous êtes en train d'écouter runrunradio.com. I just got a message from Todd. He's having trouble calling in, so I let him know that I will conference him in if he cannot call in. So I gave him the number again just to make sure we were on the same page. So he is good to go. We're going to have him here in a little while. How exciting is that? You know that you were, during that commercial playing the the Sales Brothers CD. Did you ever get your autographed version of that? I did. Yeah, yeah, I did too. Kind of forgot about it to be honest, and I found <laughs> it the other day, and I thought, you know, I really need to give that thing a spin. I was really not in a very good mood, and I didn't feel very good. And I thought, well, i got to pick myself up. So I thought I might try playing that. And I will say, that's a fun CD. It really is. It's a fun blues CD, you know, if you're in the mood for that. It really is fun. And all the songs are about sex. All of them have something to do with that. They've recorded this years and years and years ago. Let me, Yeah, let me ask you a question, uh, Doug. Sure. I don't know, a week or so ago, you asked me for the recipe that's in the TR cookbook, if I had it nearby, for Todd's Gibson. Why were you wanting to know that? Well, because I was going to tell, I already mentioned it to Michelle, you know, me and my crazy merch ideas. I was thinking they could make a custom stainless steel tumbler from a martini maker with the recipe on one side and the picture tied on the other side. Oh, man, that's a great idea. There you go. We have Mr. Runner on the line. Todd, is that you? That's me. <laughs> All right. Sorry you had trouble getting in. Yeah, it was just uh, no ringing, and then a busy signal would come on, so finally got through. Yeah, Wednesday nights are really their busy nights, and sometimes we have some problems. So No open lines, I guess. Something yeah, like that. that's probably what it was. Plus, we got the... I think we have a lot of people. The chat room is about to blow up, so we got a lot of people listening. Maybe that has something to do with it, so that's good. We appreciate you being on the show, of course. Oh, my pleasure as usual. Excellent. So we got some questions for you. I got some via email. I got some myself, and then we're hoping to take some calls. Uh, before we get started, though, is there anything that you wanted to talk about specific tonight? Um, well, yeah, we don't have to start off with that. We can take some questions first and get into specifics maybe in a little while. All right, sounds good. I've noticed a couple of the shows that there's kind of a gash on Foamy. And I was hoping you could share the story how that happened. There was a what? <laughs> a gash, a cut. It's a mystery. It just appeared. It's like yeah. as if somebody walked by and and teed your car or something. We're not sure where it came from, um, uh, how, whether it was an accident or an act of spite. I don't know. But it just, uh, Robert pointed it out to me one day and Boom, there it was. It's mm. kind of surprising that the guitar hasn't, you know, seen more damage <laughs> yeah. in, in, the, in the past couple of years anyway. All right, I want to talk to you a little bit about the album, Arena, of course. And I'm curious if the you toured the entire album before the release, way before the release. I know you've done that before. But I'm wondering if that was uh, the plan all along, if you knew it was going to be this long before the album came out, and if there was... Any specific reason why you decided to play the whole thing and tour before the album release? 
Um, well, I had always planned on um, on doing the record uh, right after it was finished, but the release date originally was going to be in July, um, like at the end of July. So essentially, the original plan was to go out. We would have played for three or four weeks and gotten tight with the new material, then the record would have come out and we would have been playing what people were able to hear previously, as opposed to it being a complete surprise. Um, having said that, I don't think there's anything wrong with the fact that um, people weren't able to hear the album beforehand. Uh, for one thing, it did guarantee that they were going to get a a more or less unique show relative to the ones that we've been doing recently, which I think we've been playing close to the same set for a couple of years. And um, what happened was that we got, that was all based on the idea that we would do a domestic release and then do a, you know, possibly do a foreign release afterwards. But it turned out that we got foreign distribution pretty close to the same time we got the U.S. distribution. And there's this funny thing uh, because the dollar is so weak that if you release the record in the U.S. Uh, before it gets released in the other markets, it's cheaper as an import in the other markets. And the problem is import records don't chart. So the labels, the foreign dis distributor insisted that the record come out simultaneously worldwide, as it were, and um, that pushed the release of the album off like at least two months. So instead of us kind of like touring continuously, we kind of like did a, did a tour, I did this other previous obligation, and then we're just like sitting back waiting for the record to come out, and then we'll pick up as if it you know, was the end of July, I suppose. You mentioned that people couldn't hear it, but there were some shows that you did that ended up on the Internet, and that became a big issue because, you know, in the past, there's been bootlegs forever on the Internet of Utopia and your stuff, and it's different because, you know, the albums were already out. In this case, it was not. So, mm -hmm. it, you know, there's a gray area there. And eventually, of course, it was taken off the Internet because of the record company, you know, had the attorney send a letter, at least in one place. It's called Dime a Dozen. And, I'll uh, discuss that with you a little bit in Vegas. And a lot of people are interested in your opinion on those type of things now on, on the bootlegs that get on the Internet. And if you're, you know, how that affects your business and if you're opposed to them or, uh, you know, if they can help get more people to your shows. Historically, I haven't had much of a, you know, much of an attitude about it. From my standpoint, there, you know, individual bootlegs are hard to put a value on and 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 difficult to market. The you know, principal objection I might have is that it's a performance that I wouldn't necessarily want everyone to think was typical. Um, like if we're having a particularly difficult evening, you know, you don't want that to be everyone's impression of, you know, of, of a typical show. So um, having said that, I've never been that much into the enforcement aspect of it, but I think the record label is trying to, you know, accomplish something that we'd all like to see happen, which is to be able to create a big splash with the release and create some excitement around it and ideally get the record to 
whatever is left of radio nowadays. And uh, I'm not going to second-guess them on that, you know, because I believe that they're working in our mutual best interest, you know, trying to accomplish that. Um, and, you know, I don't think they're actually as much concerned about the, you know, about the individual, you know, about my fans. They're worried about it leaking out into the, you know, into the greater public and losing control of that. Um, you know that kind of promotional thing that they like to that they like to exercise, right? For arena, and that's understandable. I think you know that's that's very debatable. But there was they went as far as to get them to take off Utopia bootlegs from the '70s with Hunt and Tony Sales on them, which uh, seemed to be a little bit getting carried away on it. So well, everybody was kind they, of shocked. I don't know that. that they even have any. Um, I don't know that they have any specific interest of their own in that, since those would all be under sort of like other distribution deals. But I imagine that you cannot, it's the kind of thing where you can't say, where you can't be kind of extemporaneous and say this is in, this is out. It's based on certain some certain principle. And you can't say that this is okay and this is not okay if the way that they're being offered is essentially identical. But that's all, you know, that's legalese, that's for lawyers, you know, to debate, you know, the exact, um, as I say, the exact logic and reasoning behind that may not be mine, but I'm not in a position to second-guess it right now. I know that they do have specific rights um, to this record and um, are probably trying to protect those rights. Right. Rachel Hayden seems to be getting popular on the tours. I was wondering if that's what you expected, if you could tell us a little bit about your decision behind bringing her aboard and having your first, I guess that's your first ever female person to play an instrument with your band. Is that correct? I believe that's correct. It's a long time coming, I suppose. <laughs> but uh, it's not as if there weren't qualified uh, women to, you know, to play in the band. It's just that the personnel has not changed a lot over the over the years, um, ever since the uh, the days of the large band of uh, of Nearly Human and Second Winds, Jesse and Prairie and Chasm have, um, at various times and often simultaneously, been uh, part of my band. So it was it, it took a kind of like a an unusual conflict in order for us to have to make. A significant change in that conflict was Chasm uh, going out with Meatloaf and not being available for the um, for the touring that we've done recently. So I had to find a replacement bass player to start with, and thought, well, let's not let's not be obvious, and you know, just pick somebody obvious. Let's try and do something. Uh, Maybe interesting because we're you know we're just generally trying to shake things up and make the whole thing more interesting to everyone. And um, our agent actually suggested another uh, female bass player, um, who as it turned out was way out of our price range. <laughs> but <laughs> when he did that, it gave me an idea. I thought that that's an interesting idea it, from a couple of standpoints. One is um, that you know, having 
not simply putting in one of the more expected uh, replacements, but having you know a complete left field replacement gives people something to talk about and something to come see at the show. Um, that using a girl in one of the uh, positions made it easy to cover a lot of the really high vocal parts, and it gave us actually a kind of a more clear and and evenly tempered. Um, vocal sound because it wasn't always a guy trying to sing it in falsetto or just like way up at the top of its range it was a girl singing in her full voice so it gave us you know just a more i think clear and well-tempered background vocal sound and um and she's you know really into it and really making a kind of an individual and stylistic contribution that i don't know whether i expected it but the more she gets into it, you know, the more she starts to develop, you know, a, an individual approach to it. Uh, the more confident she gets with the, you know, with the parts and things like that. That, um, you know, she's really kind of filled in the the role in an un- unexpected way. And so, even though Chasm is rejoining the band, he's not getting the bass player. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he will be our third guitar player. Matt Bolton is actually going out and promoting his own record now, which is, he's just completed. And uh, Chasm is done with his meatloaf obligations. And as everyone knows, Chasm plays guitar and keyboards when he does his own gigs. So he'll be doing guitar and keyboards um, for the near future in this particular yeah. lineup. That's very different. How did, I mean, with Chasm... Did he have any reservations about that, or was he just excited to get back touring with you? How did that conversation go? Um, I don't know that he and I had a conversation about that particular thing. He had expressed to me that, you know, the meatloaf thing would be ending, you know, and if there was any way that he could rejoin the group, you know, he would like to do so. And I didn't immediately (laughs) ask, you know, an answer for that. You know, we didn't know exactly what the future held at that point but as it turned out Matt was going to uh, return to doing his own thing and we did have an opening but it was the opening for the essentially the third guitar player and keyboard player <laughs> so. mm-hmm. alright now this may be purely to ask but is he going to be in the same spot that Matt Bolton was or are y'all going to move it around a little bit well I don't know that I was fully satisfied with the way that we had things set up um there are um, limitations depending on the venue you're in. Sometimes you just can't fit everyone in the places you like to put them. But, you know, nominally the bass player and the drummer are usually next to each other or at least within eyesight of each other. And um, that leaves the question of, you know, how many people can we string across the front line before everyone's banging into each other. But we'll just figure it out probably on a gig-by-gig basis. If we have the space, we'll move everybody closer to the front. And if we don't have it, we'll have to stagger it however necessary. We are under the impression that you're going to be doing a Robert Johnson uh, cover type. Uh, now, it was described as an EP on one of the official sites that you have. Is that correct? Is it going to be just a few songs, or would it be a whole? I don't know exactly how, what the scope of it will be. I know that... Um, 
as part of my original deal with Hi-Fi Records, uh, I agreed to do a series of covers of, of Robert Johnson songs. Um, it sounds peculiar, but it makes a certain kind of sense. Um, the the label is not simply, they don't simply release records, they manage um, song catalogs and things like that. And um, what they attempt to do is to cross-pollinate, I guess, the recording artists that they have with the song catalogs that they have in order to increase the value um, the value of both and to and to both of those entities. So um, the upside for me in agreeing to do these Robert Johnson songs, um, it's not as if I have anything for or against Robert Johnson. I find it an intriguing intriguing idea, particularly at this time when the kind of music that I'm doing is has a lot of blues derivatives in it. So it would be an interesting thing for me to, you know, to try and do any in any case. But the upside for me is, aside from that being possibly some other product, is that other artists will be encouraged to cover my material as well. Um, in particular, what the material on on Arena, which may not happen in the short term, but who knows? You know, as time goes on, maybe someone will. Uh, decide to do a version of, of one of the songs on there, um, uh, encouraged by the label and released by the label. So there's this whole attempt to try and maximize uh, all of the possibilities, and that's more or less what you have to do in, a, in an atmosphere where the business is struggling to survive. And the old model is obviously um, fraught with failure. So um, it's an interesting thing from a musical standpoint. It's a potentially useful thing from a career standpoint. So that's why I'm doing it. Sure. Well, now, there, there have been a lot of musicians and bands, particularly famous ones that have covered Robert Johnson music, but most of them, Cream would be an example that has you know, taken one of his songs and pretty much changed it a lot. But it's still got, you know, the base, the core of the song, like Crossroads is the example I think of. Are you planning on doing it kind of like that more, or is it just well, going to be? Uh, at this point, my plan at this point is to is to do it Robert Johnson simple. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it would be just, you know, voice and guitar, possibly two guitars, you know, possibly have Jesse play along as well. I'm not going to do, you know, full band orchestrations and incorporate the material into the show. At this point, we've got so much new material in Arena that that doesn't make any sense. So, um, so for the time being, I'm going to you know try and capture me doing the real folk blues. As I recall, um, in order to record Robert Johnson, they had to face him into a corner somewhere, which gave the record a characteristic sound. So, who knows? I may have to face into a corner <laughs> sing the material. <laughs> Uh, to bring unnecessary authenticity, I don't even know that I'm going for authenticity. Hmm. At one point, I thought maybe I'll just do the gay Robert Johnson, you know, <laughs> and just change all of the songs to have gay themes instead. No, 
Robert was a ladies' man, they say. And, yeah, uh, I know. That's what would make it a real interesting take. You know? Absolutely. So, we know Nicky Nichols would like that. Do songs like Dust Your Broom. Uh, or <laughs> <laughs> well, no, obviously you're not going to have this ready for September 30th. Uh, highway. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So there was rumors that you were going to package the EP and the DVD and the CD and all this stuff at the same time. Obviously the EP won't be ready. How about the DVD from Colorado? Any idea if that's ready for September 30th? Uh, that's not, uh, that isn't going to be ready, and that is, I don't know why that, that got held up, but the part of the issue is that it's, uh, not, um, it wasn't done simply for the label to release as a DVD. It was actually simultaneously, it was shot by HDNet for an HDNet special, which will also be released on DVD. So, they HDNet has been doing multiple passes at editing it and trying to get it down to their proper broadcast length. And I just got last week their final version for that. Now they have to lay in the sound and all that. So no, it's not going to be coming out next week <laughs> with the CD. It, I don't know what the release date is anymore. Um, but my guesstimation is that it would be closer to sometime in November, perhaps. I'm sure it will be out before the end of the year. All right. I've got one more question of my own, and I just it's about a DVD as well. Uh, can you give us any updates on the Todd Stock DVD? And is it going to be just a concert, or is it going to be more like a documentary of the whole event? Something Actually, like that. Um, a couple of guys uh, are working on it. Bill Chapman and Ed Vigdor have been laboring over this and we did a little bit of B-roll material interview stuff when we were in Las Vegas for it, and they're still working on it. Um, it it's kind of a labor of love on their part, so it's not as if they can quit their jobs and do nothing with that. So it's coming along at whatever pace it comes along. But the approach, as I understand it, is going to be very much like Woodstock the movie. Huh. Where there will be some music. And, but the music will not be the principal focus of it. It's going to be more the overall event, um, a few little surprises and 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 other highlights in it. Uh, there will be some of our performance, but you know one reason why we kept the lid so tight on that performance is we knew it was going wasn't going to be our best performance, <laughs> being our very first one. But there may be a couple of things within it, you know, that we think are good enough to uh, uh, to utilize. It certainly won't be the whole set. Okay, all right. So not a concert DVD. That's kind of what we were expecting or, or kind of hoping to see how the whole thing yeah, came well, about. Yeah, the DVD that the DVD that we're finishing from Boulder will be, um, you know, more of a, a representation, although. There were technical problems all day long, and in the middle of the um, arena set their power went off again and they lost two of the songs so it won't even be the complete um arena album there'll be uh let me see now i believe it's mercenary and gun was when the power went off in the truck again so uh and they went through like three generators that day you know it turned out not to be the best place to, <laughs> to do a uh uh, you know, a live recording, first of all, being a mile up and us gasping our way through the whole show. And um, the uh, venue was not particularly uh, enthusiastic even about the about them doing a shoot in there. 
mm. and wouldn't let them put lights in certain places and things like that. So it was not the best circumstance, but we're going to make it as good as we can make it from uh, from what we got. Everybody's looking forward to that. Now, will it have just the arena songs or the whole show? Uh, it will be uh, the whole show. As I say, the only two, the DVD will be the entire show, everything minus those two songs where the video got lost. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, but the uh, TV show will be shorter than that. The TV show can't be any longer than like something under 90 minutes. So there will be a, a couple of songs from the rest of the set will have been removed, probably the covers. Okay, lots, lots of great things going on. Sounds good. There's a few questions. If you got some more time, I'd like to ask you uh, from email, and then we got a, a handful of callers that are dying to say hello, if you don't mind. So, can you hang with us for a little while longer? Sure, I can. All right, yeah. And here we go. This is an arena question. This comes from Chris SK from TRC. He said in a past interview that you mentioned that part of arena's message is a call for people to go beyond thinking and start taking action. Are you talking about taking action to change ourselves as individuals? Or are you thinking about taking action outside of ourselves to make political change? Well, I always, you know, I did, I wrote this song called Change Myself, <laughs> which, you know, I don't believe that the, those particular rules of, of engagement have changed. The hardest part for us to, to change is ourselves. It's really easy to go out and cast a vote and think you did something. But, you know, for instance, the mess that we're in now, you can't vote your way out of it. There are things that people can do, but the question is always, will they, will they ever do them? I can't understand why none of the candidates have, you know, told America to get off the pipe. <laughs> that being the petroleum pipe. Right. That, that the roots of this problem and so many of our other problems all started when the price of gas started to go up because it increased the cost of everything. And once the cost of everything started going up, people started running out of money. And once people ran out of money, they started borrowing money. Yeah. And all of a sudden, yeah. you have and these scooters. And now there's no money left to borrow. So, <laughs> so yeah, People buying scooters and hybrids are out. Yeah, it's definitely the, the, the $4 gallon and up has changed everything, no doubt about that, it. That has changed everything, but it's also the solution. And we don't need Congress to do a damn freaking thing about it. If, for instance, half of us who drive ourselves to work would get the hell out of our cars and climb into somebody else's car. Imagine if you cut, you know, the drive time traffic and commuter traffic by half. The price of gasoline would drop a dollar in a month. Mm -hmm. The demand for gasoline would fucking tank, excuse me, uh, <laughs> and suddenly the price of everything would go down. Suddenly, people will have money to spend again, to invest in things again, and credit would be available again. You know, and then you wouldn't have this price. Not to say that people haven't written bad mortgages, but you know, this is this is much bigger than that. You know, they can blame it on you know bad mortgages, but this has gone way beyond that at this point. Right. You know, well, that's a lot. A lot of it is just because the cost of everything has steadily increased as the price of gasoline has gone up. Mm -hmm. It's okay, by the way. It's FC we're not FCC regulated, so you can say whatever you want. But I'd like yeah. you to elaborate a little bit on that. I, I'm taking it that you, your call to action is more about ourselves. You're not really interested in the government making change for us. You want us to do it on our own. Well, I think that if you wait for the government to make the change, it's never going to happen. You know, it's got to be. 
it's got to start from the ground up at some point, you know. And this is one of these things that none of the candidates are just going to come out and say, listen, America, get off the pipe. And, you know, get out of your cars. The best thing you can do for yourselves right now is totally crash the consumption of gasoline. All those things you were thinking of doing that involve gasoline, try and figure out how not to do those. And once that demand for gasoline goes off, that, you know, producers of gasoline will have no choice but to drop the price of it. And then suddenly everything costs less again. And suddenly we've got, you know, we've got money to spend and invest and, and to lend, you know, in order for people to, you know, to run businesses and build houses and stuff like that. So, yeah, politics, great. You know, but all this freaking grandstanding right now, it's, none of that is going to make a huge difference. The only thing that might make a difference is if, um, you know, there is some direct uh, protection for people in peril of being foreclosed on. So. Yeah. This is from Otto, Knight Otter on TRC. He want to know if Podstock and other private shows like the Vegas show have changed the way you see fan-artist interaction. And what are your thoughts about this kind of thing, the good thing, and the potential problems for every artist? Well, it's not something I don't, I don't believe it's something that everybody can do. Because not everyone has the same kind of, let's say, understanding with their fans. Um, I think most of my fans understand that I will make myself available to whatever extent, and that at a certain point, enough is enough, and I have to have enough solitude to hear my own thoughts, you know, to be able to write new music, um, to re-energize in order to do the shows and travel and stuff like that. I think everybody understands that. Um, I don't know how many times, you know, I don't know how many multiples of Todd stock you could sort of pull off before it breaks down into chaos. But I know, for instance, I've been to burning man several times and that's pretty much you know self-managed they do have a few core of people mostly guys to tell you hey you can't have that fire over there you'll set the whole encampment ablaze but otherwise it's a completely self-managing community sometimes of 50,000 people it doesn't mean that everything that happens there is in all sweetness and light but it does show you that if everyone is on the same page, that you can sort of minimize uh, the kinds of things that will go wrong. But having said that, that doesn't mean that individual agendas aren't, aren't more likely to rise the more people that you cram into one place. <laughs> it could also say that if it had gone on much longer than it did, that maybe the stress would have started to get to a few people and it wouldn't have been so much fun anymore. <laughs> but I think we managed to get it time to the just just the right amount of time so, uh, so that everyone got enough and still had enough energy to get home. And um, and would we, you know, like to do something like it again? I think so, but I don't know that we would want to want to have the responsibility of organizing it again because <laughs> uh, it was. Um, and particularly if I have to rehearse a record at the same time, because I didn't have a whole lot of time to just relax. I was pretty much going all the time, and 
by the time I got on the road, it was a relief because I only had one or two things a day I had to do. Um, so, I, you know, sure, I'd like to see things like that happen uh, again, but I don't envision myself doing this like every year <laughs> or anything like that. So, so you know, 61 uh, is not going to have a – you're not going to try to top it on your 61st birthday, I take it. No, I don't think so. No, I think the 61st birthday will go by um, fairly well unobserved. <laughs> uh, we got to do something. Uh, we'll see, concert, we'll see if I make it to 70. You know, then we'll rethink by then. <laughs> Todd's top two when you're 70. I like it. All right, if this is going to work, I believe we have Roger Linder on the phone. Is that you, Roger? I'm here. Excellent. Oh, you're hi, on with us. Hi, Todd. Hey, how's it going? Good. Well, I do have a question. I want you to dig into your past a little bit here. This is uh, regarding no world order. Mm-hmm. And, um, of course, you know, you released the, the CD-ROM version and everything like that, and, and pretty much it's a uh, plastic platter now that doesn't work on pretty much any kind of machine with a modern OS. Do you ever expect to release the database maybe for something like GarageBand or, or some other format? Um, I suppose that could be done. It would require some amount of uh, labor, I guess, to get it into the proper shape. Um, what it's mostly about, and what would take, you know, I guess the most amount of time or the, or the greatest amount of rethought, is uh, we keep a lot of it, kept a lot of the information on no world, world order in kind of separate databases, as it were. There were all of the musical snippets, but the information about the snippets was in a different location. And um, and so all of those musical snippets would have to be sort of re-tagged with, you know, with the proper kind of information so that they can be found and, and placed. Uh, it's an interesting concept. Uh, again, there's, you know, with so many hours in a day and so many days in a lifetime, uh, am I going to do it? I don't think it's high on my uh, on my list of priorities right now. <laughs> it doesn't mean at some point I won't oh break my leg maybe, and have to, and be and be uh, laid up for such a long time that I'm looking for such things to do. <laughs> but uh, but for now, you know, the database I do have it's intact. As a matter of fact, it is online. But the problem is it's just a lot of obscurely numbered files at this point, and, and in that sense wouldn't be um, very useful until they were kind of um, put into a more organized context. So are they something that is actually in a, in a, a format that can be played back on a computer, like a, an AIFF, or is it something even rarer than that? Well, they can be played back on a computer now, and as a matter of fact, they, um, I think the ones that are on the online database are MP3s. The original were, originals were um, PCM files um, that were uh, essentially compressed just by 50%, um, which isn't a whole lot by today's standards. But in those days, there you know there was no such thing as MP3. There weren't you know weren't very sophisticated compression algorithms for sound or for pictures. Text you could compress. But um, the the reason why we compressed it at all was so that the head on the uh, CD drive would be able to uh, 
read a chunk of sound and then be able to move while that sound is being played to the location of the next chunk of sound. Um, all of that's relatively trivial nowadays, and to build an engine that would accomplish that isn't really um, that big an ordeal either. But the uh, the material is is the only material of its kind, <laughs> as far as I know. We, you know, there may be other examples of it, but in probably whole different formats and for whole different purposes. So the question is, and the question always was, and the reason why it didn't uh, keep up with the evolution of the uh, you know of the form factor in the hardware is because it, there was no market for it. Only my fans were the market. <laughs> it wasn't able to create a whole new movement in music. And uh doesn't mean that that isn't still possible somewhere, somehow, but I don't know whether I'm going to invest a lot of time in it. Well, I, you, you have my vote on it if you if you put it up for a vote. <laughs> all right, well, all I, things are possible if, you, you know, if you're Bill Gates. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm sure there's plenty of other people behind me, so uh, thanks uh, for taking the call, Doug. Oh, thanks thank for calling you. in, Roger. All right. All right. Roger. Well, Roger from TRConnection.com, of course. You're listening to RunRadio.com, and we have the Tiki Man, the Tiki Hut participant in building best in a book this year, right, Patrick? Yep. How you doing? <laughs> yeah. Hello. Hello, Todd. How's it going? Doing good. Uh... A lot of the interviews I'm reading, especially on the U.K. sites, um, as you mentioned that uh, opening for arena bands and arenas, is there anything in the works on that? Well, you can't just declare that you're going to play an arena. You have to um, sell enough tickets to fill an arena. <laughs> so I think you know a more realistic objective would be to get on a tour that was in arenas. Uh, gee, it'd be great if we could go out and open for ACDC or something like that, but uh, that hasn't happened so far, but it may happen uh, next year. I think we're working with what's available. We figure if the self-fulfilling prophecy works, then you know maybe we will find ourselves in an arena, but we'll need the help of uh, radio and such and you know internet sites and things, you know, to make the music familiar to, I think we took all of my fans in the United States, we might fill half an arena. <laughs> we took everybody and brought them to one city. So we're going to have to, you know, do a little bit of audience expansion to get uh, back to arena level. What, what about uh, opening act for some arena type bands? I think well, that's, that's what, what I'd say. It'd be great yeah. for us because usually you, those result in uh, a guaranteed paycheck, and you're traveling with the tour itself. You know, so you'll be in a bus. You know, you've got lots of dates booked. Um, of course, you play a shorter set. That's, uh, I suppose, the downside for fans who want to see you in particular, and maybe don't want to see the opener as much, but. Ideally, if we get matched up with the right kind of act, you know, it could be a, a great show all around. It always worked out, for instance, when I went out with Hall & Oates um, to do that kind of, you know, double bill thing. Uh, we would play somewhat similar but different enough kind of music that um, I think most of the audience was satisfied with both acts. Very good. 
Hey, Todd. Um, yeah. My son got me the Elvis Costello album for Father's Day. Any chance that the uh, arena is coming out on vinyl? I haven't. I have to confess that I just got back uh, from the road. I left two days after the um, after it wasn't a day after, but two days after the event officially ended, or the last day of the event. Uh, and I had a whole pile of stuff that I just never could get to. And um, and since I got back, for some reason, I hadn't crossed my mind, and I know where it is. <laughs> I have to go to, to the pile and get into it, especially now that you mentioned that it's got that new Attractions album in it. Cause, um, right. Because I wanted wanted to hear what the band is uh, is like after all these years. So, it's an awesome. Uh, thanks for reminding awesome. me. <laughs> Thank you. All right, Patrick. Thanks for calling in, man. Hey, guys. Well, that thing does. I'll let you go. Good job on the right. too. Todd, is the fans bar still standing there on your property? The fan bar? Yeah. Yes, it's still there. <laughs> Very cool. I built that. That bar yeah, it's, one night. Very cool. It's a little, it's a little sad and lonely now. You know, there's no, there's no cakes <laughs> down there for one thing. But you know, I've been thinking, you know, I got to invite some people over so we can have a drink there. Well, both bars are still up. Um, oh, very cool. And uh, yeah, it's, it's been uh, stripped down a little bit. The uh, the uh, Michelle bar, but um, <laughs> but I think just with a little bit of work, we can get it back in working order. So, we're not planning on tearing it down. It's staying up. Nature, we'll let nature take its course. Very good. changing his mind about the 61st right. birthday party. Thank you, Todd. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. See you, Patrick. All right. Cruiser Mel, you got a question for Todd? Yes, I do. Hi, Todd. This is Mel. Hi, Mel. How are you? Uh, I've got a couple, well... Yeah, a couple of questions. One is, what type of radio stations are you guys hoping to target with Arena? Where, where, where do you think we might hear it? Hmm. Well, satellite radio has been, you know, pretty responsive. I don't know that much about terrestrial radio anymore. Um, you know, we listen to a little bit when we're driving around between gigs, but almost all of that is. Uh, you know, some blues station or jazz or something like that. Occasionally, you can find a decent college station, and I would imagine that if it gets played anywhere, it would be a college radio. Um, I don't know uh, what kind of format plays that old-style arena rock anymore, except for classic rock stations that are playing the original old-style <laughs> arena rock. Um, but satellite radio is, you know, a much more wide-open format, so we think pro probably we'll get, uh, hopefully, a good response at satellite radio. Great, great. And then, can and then I ask... Internet radio, or there used to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we're talking on it right now. Yeah, but um, I mean, internet and yeah. radio with music. Yeah. <laughs> They're yeah. still playing that. I yeah. in front of a Senate committee about that, you know, when they mm -hmm. were trying to raise all the statutory rates on satellite radio and internet broadcasters and that was mostly because terrestrial syndicated radio wanted to retain control of everything and decide what we were all going to listen to um, so I don't know we'll see whether, whether they decide in our favor uh, I've got one more question and it's about a lyric in the song Pissin 
Yeah. Several several people have asked <laughs> if it's a literal comment or figurative comment about uh, someone having their dick in the mayonnaise. It's. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever literally seen it, but it's a uh, it's a figurative. Um, it's more figurative than literal, you know. It's just, you know, it's being the ultimate party pooper in a way. Um, so you can say your poop is in the mayonnaise, but that's really distasteful. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. It rhymed. It just came to me, you know, that that seemed to be one of the ultimate social faux pas. <laughs> that would that would do it for me. I'm afraid. Yeah, I think so. It would be a little bit of a turn off. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I'm done because you got a bunch of callers, and I know you want to get to to them. Well, hang tight with us. You never know. All right. I think we have. This is Philly Karen. Is that you? Hey, Doug. Hey. Hey, Todd. Hey. How's it? Hey. Nice to talk to you. My pleasure. Um, looking forward to your Marstown show in New Jersey. Marstown. It'll be it'll be my third time this year. <laughs> making up for lost. Making up for lost time. Uh-huh. Saw you many, many, many times. Love every show. Oh, Still have a balloon from New Year's Eve, 1980. <laughs> That's going back. Yeah. Treasured, a treasured it must be thing. Deflated it's by de- now, right? Yes, but it still says Happy New Year from Todd Rundgren in Utopia. Defaced the music. Oh wow! Were we in Took Chicago my son to see you when he was seven. It was his first concert at the Tower Theater. Wow! Had a hold of his ears when you sung Jesse's out. <laughs> Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> and the guy behind us got his camera confiscated. What can I say? We were 10th row on the floor. It was awesome. All right. Well, we'll see you in Joycey. Yeah. There it is. I'll be there. Be there. Right. I'll be square. Great. Excellent. All right. Karen and Philly. She's dying before you go to Philly, by the way. I can, I can make my announcement now. Absolutely. Well, well I was... A couple of weeks ago, I got this idea. Um, partly wanted to do like a VIP package thing, you know, for fans who felt motivated to participate in that kind of thing. But also, like everybody knows what a mess this freaking economy thing has been. And we've been trying to get a second mortgage since the beginning of the year, you know, to pay off the stuff we had to do on the house growth. Oh, the price of everything went up, and um, and so I had this idea, which I called the Second Mortgage Club, which is a um, which is a package of of stuff that um, that includes the following. It includes two um, personal guest passes. These are different from simply you know the regular you know get into the show free because. You are essentially a personal guest of the headliner, so there would be two of those, and the and the and the VIP seating and stuff that goes with those at a gig of your choice, ideally. Um, if we have, if we were to run out of places um, for people to sit, and this was a, a successful enough offering, we were going to do some sort of member-only. Uh, gigs around the country, so you would be guaranteed to have a um, a VIP seat sometime within the 2008-2009 touring period. Um, after the show, you and I 
uh, would have a meal. You and I and whoever else took advantage of this VIP thing would have a meal. And then after the meal or during the course of the meal, I would record one of those um, Robert Johnson songs. So we have a little recording session during our after show soiree. Um, uh, in addition to that, um, you would receive two um, polo shirts, not the usual T-shirt, but the more professional-looking polo shirts, because you're a member of the Second Mortgage <laughs> Club. So you would get a branded polo shirt, and then two of them in the sizes that you specify. Uh, you would get a two um, wall-size uh, arena posters, special run that uh, I don't know if we'll make more of them, but they would be signed and numbered and frameable. Um, they would have no creases in them. Um, geez, I may have to bring up the list of stuff. Uh, there's a USB wristband, a custom for um, Second Mortgage Club members only uh, that would have arena on it. And you essentially wear it just like your um, Armstrong or your wrist strong band and plug your earbuds into it and you can listen to arena hands-free. Uh, it has some special branding stuff on it, so it will be a unique run of those. Um, let me see. Uh, there's a special uh, laminate, numbered, signed and numbered laminates, uh, two of those as well. Um, the uh, each 100 members will also be automatically entered into a drawing that gives away two more free VIP seats and uh, events, you know, after show events and things like that sometime during 2009. So you not only get guaranteed a couple seats, you potentially could get a couple more. Um, and then if we are so successful with this offering as to reach, let's say, a 1,000 people, then there will be a random drawing to have someone flown out here to the island for five days at our, at our house in one of our guest rooms. So I uh, just want to make sure that that's everything, that I haven't forgotten anything. Um, it's a lot of stuff. It's, uh, it's, it's a fair amount of stuff. Uh, we hopefully will... Uh, justify the price tag. Remember, this is for two people, um, everything in the package. And the price tag right now is $600. And it makes you a member of the Second Mortgage Club because essentially everyone who's been out to our house realizes this is this house is our all and our everything, you know, and we'd like to get through this whole crisis if we possibly can, second mortgage or not. So we're just going to we're going to sell everything we got, <laughs> and and, uh, and uh, hopefully you know everyone will uh, consider this an experience worth participating in. We realize this is, this is terrible times for everybody, you know. So it's not as if we're you know expecting our fans to bail us out of anything. We want this, you know, we want you to participate if you think it's worth it for you. Uh, you can go and find out more about it at www.tr-i.com slash the second mortgage club. 
Flash. <laughs> is it the second mortgage, mortgage club? club M-O- M-O-R-T-G-A-G-E. There you go. Um, it, and uh, let me, I'm just making sure that I... That I does it start with a B? Is it the second yeah. mortgage club or just second mortgage club? The second mortgage club. The second mortgage club, okay. The only one there is, yes. And uh, right now we've been trying to get this credit card thing figured out. Everything to do with credit now is hard, we know. So we're able to, you know, there's information there. If you wanted to get in on this and send a check, you can do that. A couple more days, hopefully, we'll get the credit card thing done. And, And that's pretty much the announcement. Um... I guess this would be a VIP package just under another name. <laughs> yeah, fan club. Well, you know, I'm not into soaking my fans, you know, for every dollar <laughs> I can get out of them. You know, I, as I say, I realize this is hard times for everybody. But, you know, we couldn't make any progress at all with the banks, and we figured, what the hell, we'll just, you know, we'll we'll put something together and put it up for sale, and, and maybe that will help. So... There you have it. There you go. I mean, they're getting something for the money, so it's not a, you know, a lot of stuff. As a matter of fact, and I, let me ask you this right quick about the two guest passes and when when this is going to start, because uh, uh, an example would be, I believe it's October first. The Seattle show is sold out. Would people well, be able Seattle to show is sold out? But we always have personal guest passes for mm-hmm. our guests, and. I said it, it varies from venue to venue how many of those there are because the venue sizes are are different. Right. But um, we always have personal guest passes available. Often we don't use them because it may be someplace where we don't know anybody. <laughs> but <laughs> it's part of, you know part of our regular contract with all of our right. venues is that we have a certain amount of preferred seating in the house. Right. And essentially, we want to offer this preferred seating to uh, to anyone who wants to get in on this package. But again, it's you're essentially my guest. You're my guest for the show, and then you're my guest after the show for our little, you know, for meal and and recording session and photos and signatures and whatever else goes with that kind of thing. So excellent. So everybody, you got a chance if you're trying to go to the Seattle show. This may be your chance here. If they've got uh, open. Yeah, the show yeah. is sold out, it may be a chance yeah. to get in, although, you know, it's cost <laughs> a lot more than just buying two tickets. But, <laughs> well, we get uh, other stuff, too. Well, you will get the other stuff out of it, yes, indeed. And um, and know that you're helping us um, get our house paid off. <laughs> there you go. And we'll do the same for you if we can, you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, great. We'll, we'll offer to do a benefit for some homeowner in distress. <laughs> that will be another <laughs> drawing we have. Yeah, awesome. If anybody out there does not have a partner they want to split this with because it's a it's a two deal, you know, you, every, everything's in, in pairs. Shoot me an email at RunningRadioEarthlink.net and I'll find somebody to pair with you that's also interested in it. And we'll put people together. If you don't have a friend or Todd fan that wants to split that with you, and, but you want to get in on this, but or if you want both, you know, pay the six hundred get both. It's all good. Uh, yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about this? Um, now, your shows are usually over, say, 11, 12. Uh, you're going to have a meal. How, how is this uh, recording of a Robert Johnson song going to work? And you got so many shows. Is that going to be at every show? Well, it'll be at every show that we have a, you know, a uh, an after-show event at. You know, in other words, anyone where there's any members who show up, then we'll do it. I don't know that I will do it if nobody shows up. 
But as I said, it's something that I agreed to do. Might as well do it with, uh, you know, with a select audience there. So it'll just be wherever it is that we um, that we take our meal, which could be at the venue. It could be in some place off site, you know, some other place or a restaurant or wherever. Wherever we do that, um, we'll just we're going to set up a little recording gig, a microphone, and uh, plug my guitar into something and and yodel away a song and hopefully do a decent uh, job of it. All right. Now, the USB wristband is, I don't think I've ever heard of a band putting their album on that or a musician. That's something Actually, you create that. Actually, a couple of people have done it. I think Matchbox 20 did it recently and um, Ringo did it. Um, I've seen varying uh, list prices for them. Sometimes, I think... Like the Matchbox 21 was a limited edition thing for like forty dollars, mm. um, and um, I don't know how much this would sell for if we were to sell it. It's obviously not the kind of thing that many people will go to would want to buy, given that a CD costs so much less than <laughs> that, you know. So if all they want to do is listen and put it on their own USB device, then you would buy the CD. But this has a certain kind of, you know, souvenir value because it will be specially branded um, for the for the second mortgage mortgage club members, and um, and it does give you, you know, the sort of advantage of not having to ca- carry a device. I don't know. I suppose it's not that big a deal now. You can put a little arm strap on with your iPod, but. It's just a different way to carry music around, and I think you can just plug it into your computer and put any kind of music on it. Hmm. And that's only available to the Second Mortgage Club members, so it'll be a very rare item. Yeah, yeah, certainly for the time being. As I say, we think as a retail item, it may be pricey to the point that you know most people would not really be interested in it. So the only way that we'll probably make these available is through this particular program, certainly in the short run. Very nice. Yes. You can hear me? Yes, we got you. Hey, it's Mott. How you doing? Mott. Hey, Mott. Hey, Todd. How's it going, man? Not bad, Mott. How's it? It's it's going. I'm just so jazzed to talk to you. I love you. I love you. But you know that. Um, <laughs> I like all the stuff you're talking about. We'll all save up and try to help each other through our mortgage crisis. And it's good to know you might help another person out who needs it after you. I think that's only fair. And I think we have to, you know, get some sort of mechanism that people sign up for that as well. Although I well, figure I, I we'll help each other. I think that's a good message, and I think we get it. Do we get it, kids? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Do it. Well, yes, I don't think anybody who's having real mortgage problems has any business spending $600 on this. <laughs> right. Well, so far so good, but, you know, uh, we, we do what we can to help each other. Okay. I'm tickled about the meal thing, too, and, of course, I have to mention that it reminds me of the fondue with Colbert. Did you hear about that? Uh, the what with Colbert? You, yeah, well, there's something on the Colbert website where that you can sign up to have fondue with Stephen Colbert. Fondue with Colbert. <laughs> yes, and it's like this ridiculous amount of people, money are bidding on it. I can't remember oh, okay. how many thousands it is to have fondue with Colbert. <laughs> it just kind of made me laugh when you mentioned your meal. Anything else? How about spam with Todd? I love Very that. Good. I'd pay to do that. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. You've already ruined the Robert Johnson album for me because now I'm going to hear it gay no matter how it comes out. <laughs> and it's just going to crack me up. 
And uh, my sister Terry was totally jazzed um, to hear that you were doing Robert Johnson covers because she loves him. And I was just as surprised to, to tell her, and she's like, I'll, I'll go get that. So you even uh, got the funkies going for you now. Oh, great. Sure you out on Colbert's site? Yeah. Um, you know, our picture was up there for the longest time, and that bastard took it down. He, he's got no gravitas or balls. <laughs> or balls. <laughs> I'm telling you, and I'm, I've been razzing him about it, and uh, maybe that's why he took it down. I might have pushed it too far, but um, uh -oh. our picture was up there for quite some time, Todd. I don't know if he'll put it back up, but I've been griping about it. Oh, well. Anyway. Well, I'm hoping maybe he'll, you know, he's been having a lot more musical acts on lately, so maybe. I know, and, you know, you just got to be there, and I still want you to do the, um, what was it we talked about? Formidable Opponent. That just uh, would be the, surprising. Uh, well, what was it? I'm on notice to him. Well, so but, you know, we have to argue about that, and what we'll to do the four-screen formidable opponent we talked about in Vegas. I think it would be brilliant. <laughs> I'd love to see you, you guys talk it out. But anyway, I love you. I know there's lots of other people who want to say hi, and um, I'm glad I got through. And, Doug, thank you so much for making it a fun weekday. Yay. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Okay, and, Todd, thanks, thank you Brian. for making it a decent life to live by. Your music helps so much. <laughs> we love Brian, you. Bye, Bye darling. So see you later. Ciao. See you, Mike. All right, let me ask you an email question real quick, if you don't mind. This is from Doc Uncle on TRC, and I'm going to use the terminology he used. He wants to know if you'll be out with any of your other axes other than Foamy in the coming tour legs. Uh, I did buy a spare axe that um, I really haven't spent too much time playing, and, and um, I've got to spend a little more time fiddling around with it to see how I feel about it as a you know, as a as a more frequent replacement, I guess, for Foamy. Um, Foamy's a good guitar, but isn't necessarily good for every single thing that I do. So, um, I'm looking at this other instrument as possibly a, a replacement. I bought it in such a hurry, I can't even remember the brand name that it was. And I think I took it out just a couple times during the tour when I broke a string, but. Um, It'll be out there during our uh, upcoming tour in October, and uh, maybe I'll get it out uh, for a couple of songs, even when I haven't broken a string. <laughs> is that the, is it black? Yeah, it's a black guitar. Um, okay. Somebody probably yeah. has already noted what it is. <laughs> and what's it? Uh, if you haven't seen it, it was in the Austin show, and of course on TR Connection, you'll see some pictures. Hey, yeah, Charlie, are you there again? I picked it up in Austin. Uh, okay. Yeah. Very nice. Hey, Charlie, you back with us? I'm back. <laughs> is Toddstock going to? <laughs> Sorry. Um, is Toddstock going to be on DVD? You probably tuned in a little late for the answer to that. We uh, have a couple of guys at Big Door and Bill Chapman have been slaving away on it um, in their spare time since they have real jobs, and uh, as I understand, they're getting close to a something of a, a reasonable version for us to all look at and figure out what kind of changes we want to make. As I mentioned before, it may have some of the music that we performed in it, but it's mostly going to be about the participants and the other events that we had during the week. So, it's yeah, it's mostly going to be about the fans. It won't be so much about the, um, the little show that we put on, although that yeah. will be in there, certainly. All right, Todd, I got another one for you right quick. There was... Um Somebody had mentioned, you know, that y'all did the Sergeant Pepper, of course, and they wanted to know if you would consider doing that for some of your albums, uh, other than Arena, like maybe uh, Something Anything or 
a lot maybe. I've heard that people are doing this, and if I didn't already have a brand new record of all this stuff, you know, it's you know it's a it's an interesting thing to do, you know, and a way to kind of at least uh, create a, some expectations about the kind of show that you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Again, I suppose it all has to do with how popular the record that you choose to reproduce was in the first place. Mm-hmm. In which case, I'd be better off just doing Dark Side of the Moon instead of <laughs> half of my records. And, uh, and uh, yeah, it's going to be probably a little while before I've um, put this new record behind me enough to even consider something like that. So not that I wouldn't consider it, but at this point in time, got other got another agenda. All right. Well, speaking of agendas, somebody also wanted to know, said that you had mentioned sometime that you were interested in getting in film, if you have any projects you're working on that in the filmmaking business. Mm, nothing. No, nothing right now. I think a lot of that, you know, it, you're behooved to, to spend time in L.A. and be seen and see and things like that. And I, It's been a long time since I was comfortable uh, living in L.A. So the, I think part of the problem is I'm just not around, and when you're not around, there are plenty of people who are around, you know, who will uh, re- remind uh, the powers that be that they're available to do this, that, and the other thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I was really serious about it, I'd probably move to L.A. for a year and, you know, and commit myself to it, but I still got other things to do. <laughs> I got to work. <laughs> we had Jimmy Lane on the show last night, and Mel, you can tell him a little bit more about it. He mentioned something you might be be, uh, be a judge. Tell you, I got an email today from Denny Lane's friend Mike Pinder. They were in uh, Moody Blues together. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And he's got something called Song Wars, and invited me today to um, to be one of the judges on that. I don't know whether that's the thing. <laughs> Is that going to be? <laughs> that's it. Is that going to be on television? I don't know. It's uh, I have I actually hadn't explored it so much because I've been doing you know phoners and stuff all day long. Yeah. Sounds um, fun. So I'll have to look into it a little bit closer, but I don't know. It could be. Uh, let's see on TV soon. All right. Well, I've got two quick questions, and we're gonna fold this out. Sorry, everybody else. We tried. We gave it an effort. Um, wish I could have got you on, but there's only so much time. We. The first question I wanted to ask you is, how involved are you with the MySpace? What do you think about that now that you have an official MySpace site? Uh, I am only only peripherally involved. I will provide stuff to it, to the space, but it is more or less um, an effort by Lynn Robinette to organize and motivate the fans around the new record. Um, it's not it's not supposed to be the all about me, my space kind of thing. Although people share a lot of that kind of information. But I think she got the idea specifically to try and, you know, mobilize and unify all of, you know, the uh, fan potential behind the record. Mm-hmm. And uh, she started it when we thought that it was going to be, you know, released earlier in the year, you know, earlier in January. So it's been around for a long time. The yeah. point that people think it's more my space than actual kind of organizational and motivational space. Right. I don't think it's going anywhere, but she's doing a real good job. Has a lot of people on there, and 
uh, keeps us updated on things. It's a lot of fun. So. No, she's doing a great job. So it does have sort of an ongoing thing. But yeah. I believe the reason why she started it was, you know, as a whole sort of organizational and mobilization thing. And absolutely, and she wants to get that ring now. That, not until now that we can actually start taking advantage of it because the yeah. record will be on the week. She wants Arena to sell like all of us do, and that was my other question. Is there anything else? I know we got the club going on. Is there anything that fans can do, the hardcore fans that listen to this show, push the sales of Arena and get people to listen to this CD? <laughs> well, uh, you know, I'm something of a naif about, um, you know, about all the sort of promotional stuff. I'm so possessed with, like, making the music and figuring out how to perform it properly that I often, often don't pay so much attention to the, you know, to the way things work nowadays. That's the great thing about what Lynn is doing because, you know, she's done this before for other bands and so she sort of understands how it all works and um, and where people should should direct their stuff. And we've even got other fans doing their own efforts. I know Keiko Iwata in, uh, in Japan has been trying to motivate people to do uh, pre-orders and stuff at, at record labels to drive the visibility of the uh, of the cover up, you know, so that it appears in the top tens and top twenties and things like that. So there are all the all of those sort of things where you know increasing the visibility of the record for people who don't know anything about it, mm-hmm. you know, that's always great. And sometimes it's really kind of it, it's almost like political dirty tricks I think you, know, <laughs> you just keep hitting the same site over and over and over and over and over again you know to drive up the hit count on it and make yeah. it look you know like there are godzillions of people going there but apparently this is what everybody does um, yeah Todd I appreciate it no problem Doug I'll talk Good to you everything. okay bye bye alright everybody that was Todd Rundgren and I hope you enjoyed it we had him on for a long time wish it could have been a little bit longer Hope you got lots of information. And the link that Todd was talking about, I believe it was tr-i.com backslash the second second mortgage Mortgage. club. Yeah, and then another backslash, the second mortgage club. So you can check that out. Arena will be out September 30th. And there you go. We got everything out. How about it, Mel? Is that fun or what? That was fun. What a great guy. Thank you, Todd. Yes, good stuff from Todd Rungry. You're listening to RungrenRadio.com. We just had Todd Rungren on. Say it, Mel. Bye. See ya.